you are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, a podcast for spiritual souls on their journey of enlightening the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Powers. It's another week, another podcast, except this one is huge, and I'm sure going to reach thousands of thousands of people. Today, we have a very special guest. She is a psychologist breaking through traditional methods of healing mental health and helping over 500,000 people on Instagram daily. If you were to log on to my personal Instagram account, my entire archive section is 90% of her posts, and I'm always sharing her stuff on Lightworkers Lounge. She is taking Instagram by storm and is known to most as the holistic psychologist. I can't believe she's here. I'm such a huge fan. Welcome, Dr. Nicole Lepera. Thank you so, so, so much, Steph, for having me. I am, if you guys could see me, I have a big smile on my face. That was a very kind introduction. And I have been appreciating your support and really everyone out there. The community is absolutely amazing. So I thank you all. And I'm super excited to have a chat with you finally and to hopefully put out something that could be helpful to your amazing community out there. Oh, my community loves you. Every time I share something of yours, they're like, I didn't know about her. She's so good. And your posts are just incredible. You're so innovative. And honestly, you're the first person I'm nervous to record with because I'm such a huge fan of yours. Oh, well, that's awesome. Don't be nervous at all. I'm just a regular old person like the rest of us doing the thing. You know what I mean? Trying to just heal up. (laughs) Yeah. So you graduated from Cornell and then you went to the new school. What's that? Yeah, I um, so the new school, it's in New York City. Um, it, it was very much a grad-focused program to begin with, but actually those out there who know fashion might have heard of Parsons, so it's an affiliate of that. But essentially, to keep it nice and short and sweet, it was just a – I went to a very traditional clinical psychology program for, for many, many years um, and am now able to call myself a clinical psychologist as a result. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, what made you leave the traditional route of psychology and become holistic? Yeah, absolutely. I giggle when I say that now because I, I definitely have a lot of clinicians out there or soon to be hopeful clinicians asking me where the hell to get trained in some of this stuff. And, and my answer is, uh, uh, you know, but um, so anyway, in, in all seriousness, I worked very much traditionally had my shingle, if you will, had a private practice that was quite successful here in Philly, um, was trudging along, you know, thought that that was, would be how I live the remainder of my days, um, doing the whole talk based model. And quite honestly, Steph, it was when I had, you know, my own, it, it was honestly a, a breakdown in terms of not only just emotional, um, with a reemergence of longtime lifelong anxiety that got mm-hmm. pretty, pretty, um, you know, pretty difficult to navigate. But I started to have some really scary health issues as well. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, after really kind of coming to to a pretty pretty low low in a lot of ways, um, and being quite honestly pretty scared of what was going on with me physically, I dove into my own research to heal myself first and foremost. And mm-hmm. once I was able to start to feel whole, and then I started to work holistically, I discovered a whole new world of nutrition out there and gut health and all this stuff that I was just never mm-hmm. taught about in, in any program that I had been in ever had not heard about and started to apply some methods and tools and techniques and started to gain such traction in my own, not only my physical symptoms were going away, but again, this lifelong anxiety, all I knew 
was finally mm-hmm. starting to to go away at, in a way that I had never had happened before. So the mm-hmm. short of it was, I was like, shit, this is working for me. Uh, and I'm really now interested in whether or not this could work for other people, you know, these methods. So that's when I went online. That's when I started sharing this holistic modality. And when I started to get messages quite literally from all over the world, um, telling me of people who not even, not even working with me were just using some of these tools that I had been talking about that I had had so, so much success with myself that that's when I really inspired. I needed to pivot in my practice. Um, and that's mm-hmm. when I really made the hard decision to shift out of, or begin my transition from that traditional world into practicing fully, holistically as I do now. Yeah. And I was reading on your website that you work on gut health and physical health, like diet and nutrition with your clients, because that's, you know, I was a holistic health coach before I started Lightworkers Lounge. And I worked with a lot of people with anxiety and depression. And I, you know, Lightworkers Lounge was created out of the idea that so many people had perfect diets and lifestyles, but their mental health was poor. So I would work on that and always fix the gut first. Yeah, absolutely. And my mind was blown when I realized, and I'm always, I'm someone who I would have been athletic. I played sports through college. So health was somewhat always on my radar, but I say that's also acknowledged. I had no idea how important gut health was, namely the food that we were eating until I can until I went on my, my own journey and was like, wow, the gut is really responsible for not only nutrient absorption, which our brains need to function, mm-hmm. um, but also with, you know, probably things that I'm sure listeners have heard about mentioned now because they are talked about all the time, but these neurotransmitter things, right? The, the feel good yeah. chemicals that we either, you know, usually we don't have enough of. Um, they're manufactured in our gut. There's now a, a big, a lot of research out there that gut damage to our gut causes really chronic inflammation. And what I'm most concerned about, even as a psych or as a psychologist, obviously is, is the mind, but the mind begins with the organ that is the brain. So when we're looking at the health of, of our, our mental world, our psychological world, I mean, we have to, in my opinion, be talking, okay, well, how healthy is our brain. And again, it all originates with the food that we're eating in our gut. And I think in a future, if this is not being incorporated into treatment rooms, um, I think that even us as clinicians are going to continue to be really um, hindered in the work that we can do with our clients. Yeah. If they're not eating well, it really does hinder your work. 100%. I mean, it can, it not only can hinder the work, but it, it can cause, it can be, and often it's not the whole cause, but in my experience at this point, it, it can be a cause as physiological imbalances can yeah. be a cause of the symptoms that even bring someone, now it's my virtual door, but through my virtual office door, if you mm-hmm. will. So really giving resolution and deep deep balance, allowing the body to fall back into balance as it naturally does for some clients um, results in their symptoms being largely removed. It's not the whole picture for everyone, of course, but unless it's part of the picture, um, like I said, I think that people are still going to remain stuck in a lot of ways in their health. Absolutely. As a holistic health coach, I could not agree more. Now, I want to talk about your Instagram because you are growing so fast. I When did you start your Instagram account? Crazily, it'll be one year on July 22nd. So I about, knew it. I knew 
because, I, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, I was going through a divorce this time last year and I just was divinely guided to your Instagram page. And I've been a huge fan ever since. And I remember this time last year, you probably had a few thousand followers. It and has that, been absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the growth has been, has been astronomical and I don't take full credit for it. Quite honestly, I think it is testament to people's mm-hmm. readiness um, for this information, to people's readiness to actually start to take their their wellness into their own hands, and for people's belief that it's it is now possible. Um, so I think people are just ready. Yeah, they're so ready to take a holistic approach to healing their mind. I don't think a lot of people are into taking pills anymore. It's just a mask. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love your posts about reparenting and rewiring the brain and working through triggers. Absolutely. I think these are all really important concepts. And like I said, when, when you talk about holistic healing, of course, nutrition and lifestyle interventions aimed at resolving those physiological imbalances are part of the story. Um, but our whole, our mental world and the part of the mind that I am most interested in, because I think it's a large reason why many of us are stuck. Um, mm-hmm. and this is where reparenting, you know, the concept reparenting applies. Um, it's in that, that subconscious part of our mind, which for, for many of us is is ruling, is dictating the choices that we find ourselves making, um, which to a large extent feels outside of our control because in some ways it is outside of our control. And like I said, it's a lot of the reason I hear the word stuck stuff. I can't tell you how many times a day I hear that word of being, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Um, And so I think that the conversation also needs to be about that subconscious and why change Mm -hmm. and, and why, again, I think another one of the difficulties with just the straight talk-based model of therapy that isn't as helpful, it's because it's not fully addressing those moments and throughout the week where, again, it is the subconscious that is running the show and that is keeping us locked in those old habits that don't serve us anymore. Yeah, that's what I've been working on in therapy lately is rewiring and reprogramming my brain subconsciously. Now, speaking of triggers, how I read your comment section and you respond to so many people, which is very admirable based on how large your audience is. But how do you handle when people in the comment section get triggered by your posts and say something nasty or negative? I mean, you handle it like a pro. And I want to hear from you. How do you do that? Because I'm too sensitive. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you 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 noting and acknowledging that. Um and I do, I actually work. So I, I do see, you know, sometimes professionals will come contact me and we'll, I'll do mentorship type sessions with them. Anyway, the short of it is a lot of times people being a, a afraid to be vulnerable on the internet, which I totally understand, but be afraid of the feedback that is constantly there ever present is a large reason why I work with a lot of people who are wanting to get their presence out there and who struggle. And I think the number one concept that you'll also hear me talking about, you know, in individual work is, is what I call depersonalization, which putting it simply means I'm able to really separate myself and understand and understand what, where the comment is coming from. And you use the word very, you know, accurately, you know, when someone is triggered, they're having a, what is oftentimes a, a disproportionate, as I say, and a big emotional reaction, right. To mm-hmm. something that's happening in the present moment. So for, for this example, my, my post or language I used or a word I said, or a visual, whatever it is, right. Touched on something that's much deeper 
then that posts the word, the con- whatever it is. So that's why the feeling is so big. And that's why you'll get what feels like maybe an angry reaction or, or whatever, fear-based reaction, whatever, some version of a reaction. So being able for me to understand that it was coming from that emotional place, um, which is A, why the feeling is so big, but B, it also removes it from being about me. Yes, my words might've been a catalyst, but as I think we can all identify with, I mean, we've all been triggered. I know I have, mm-hmm. when we're in that triggered moment, it's things aren't logical. You know, typically what happens is I see one part of an experience or one aspect of what's happening. I make a meaning, you know, I assign a meaning to it and then I'm often running in my reaction. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, just knowing myself and knowing how I am in that reactive space allows me to acknowledge what's going on for that other person. So separating myself, not taking it to be about me, even though language sometimes is directed to me, I'm this, I'm that, I'm irresponsible, um, or, or whatever it might be that's coming, you know, out of that emotional reaction. So I don't own it. I don't take responsibility for it. And a practical tip that I think is always really helpful um, because language and our, our, our language is how we communicate, especially on uh, social media and ultimately objective language. So you'll see the way I respond to is, is very much, it's not eyes and use. It's, it's a very objective, you know, language. And that can, I think sometimes mitigate uh, another furthering the emotional reaction. So I think that's a practical tip. Uh, but I think psychologically, if, if, and, and I, this applies to everything I talk with many clients about depersonalizing, being able to separate, even if it's your loved one, your partner, your mom, right? Whatever you might be hearing, seeing, feeling from them that appears to be directed at you. If you can really understand that and, and give yourself the, the possibility that it's not about you at all, I think mm-hmm. that allows you to have some new choices in how you respond. Wow. That's, I'm so glad I asked you that because I needed to hear that. <laughs> I'm so sensitive on Lightworkers Lounge that I'll post something and then I won't look at it because I'm too scared of what people yeah. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it also helped me personally figure out what triggers me. Why does this comment trigger me? And it's helped me heal things actually. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I, I so agree as well. There, there are certain things that, you know, I, I, feel about, even though you maybe can't tell in my reaction, you know, we're still Mm -hmm. human and there's still that little part of us that does get, that does get touched. Um, but yeah, I think that, that, that's amazing. And you, you, people who, who read my work might also hear me say, I, I often say this, if we can reframe what even a trigger is and, and understand it for I, I say to be as a teacher that it is, as a learning experience, mm-hmm. same goes for me in my personal life. When I feel that ouch, that again, feels a little bit disproportionate to what's happening. I, I inquire about it. I look, I say, okay, what, what, what did I make of this? What meaning did I assign? Why is this ouch for me? And I assure you, when you start to understand yourself, taking into consideration all of your past experiences, more often than not, none, nothing is a coincidence. There's a very understandable reason why we are becoming triggered in that particular moment. I'm going through a lot of shifts and changes in life right now. As a holistic health coach, I know that times like this are when it's most important that I give myself an extra boost of vitamins and minerals to get a good night's rest, have a healthy energy level throughout the day, and of course, manage the inevitable stress. 
That is why I'm thrilled to partner with Care of Vitamins. They are a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs right to your door every month. I used to work in an all-natural supplement shop. I know how overwhelming it can be to figure out which supplement is best for you. Care of makes it easy to find out what your body specifically needs to be your healthiest. Care of has a fun online quiz that asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices. It only takes about five minutes to complete and you immediately receive your personal, scientifically backed recommendation for vitamins, protein powders, and more. Your individually wrapped vitamin packets are now made from a compostable plant-based film that meets the same safety standards. So your vitamins are kept fresh while now being better for the environment. I'm a holistic health coach. I already have a good idea of what supplements my body needs. So I was excited to put Care Of to the test. And I can honestly say they nailed it. In my personal monthly packets of Care Of, I have a biotin supplement, probiotic, and a women's multivitamin to keep my hormones in check. They come in a convenient dispensary box too. So traveling around the country with it is a breeze. I look forward to grabbing my Care Of packet with breakfast every day. The inspirational quotes or the fun fact of the day are great ways to put my phone down and spark a conversation at the table. So, you guys, for 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Lightworkers. Again, for 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Lightworkers. Yep. That's so true. And I found a lot of my triggers and comments on Instagram stem from being bullied throughout my school years. So it's really yeah. helped me. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about some of your Instagram posts. Like I said in the beginning of the show, I archive every single thing you post because it's so good. And one of my favorites is the one where your, um, your comment section or your caption, I mean, you talk about going on a trip to the mountains only to find out your Airbnb, you couldn't stay in it. Mm-hmm. That oh, was just yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah, so you drove like two and a half hours, I think it was, to get to your cabin and you just couldn't check in? Yeah, so we had we had driven two and a half hours a little bit outside of Philadelphia. We have a mountain region, and it was actually for my, my wife, my partner's birthday. Um, so we headed out and, yeah, didn't think – didn't think to check the app, the Airbnb app, didn't get an alert and, you know, never had anything like that happen before. Um, probably had a confirmation sent what, a week or two ago. Good to go. So off we went. Um, and then, yeah, long story short, when we had gotten there, it turned out, which obviously of no fault of the owner's own, um, there was a unexpected last minute gas leak that oh. the message itself did come in. I think it was that morning. But like I said, we were already just in our autopilot and off to the races and off and running there. So yeah, long story short, we had to make a, a on the fly decision, which was um, to obviously come back, stay elsewhere and do something yeah. else entirely. Mm-hmm. And then you got put up in room 1111. Yes. Yes. That's I love awesome. it. So then we drive all the way back to Philly because we had, there was other factors involved, including us having brought food and this and that. Oh. Anyway, so long story short, we finally get here and, and we were both in a pretty good mindset. Um, at that time we made the decision to come back home. And I, I, I say this too, um, because I think a lot of times we, we allow decisions and choices and we allow our, ourselves to run through them and to wonder what if, and if we made the right choice and, I always think it's once once the choice has been made, you know, it, it, that only causes added 
you know, stress, suffering, whatever you want to call it. So we had sat there, we had taken a couple of minutes, her and I, we had come to the choice and, and then we were able to really regroup and the whole ride home all two and a half hours back um, was much more, was very peaceful. And we were at, you know, with the decision. Yeah, we got there. And it was interesting because then her and I were talking later about how we were able to almost refresh our emotional canister in a sense by that drive, by having accepted the choice, which allowed, I believe, not only was it really awesome in my opinion to get room 1111 just randomly, but we rolled up and the person who helped us with their car was very kind and and everything really was just really positive. And we were comparing that with, and this was an older version of myself included as well, but I think something many of us do, which is could have allowed that, you know, moment in time where we didn't get the cabin we had, intended or wanted to get to color and paint it our entire day and turned into a mood for the day. And then you would have heard things like my day is ruined. I've been having a bad day. Um, Mm -hmm. So we were really talking about how riding the wave of that allowed us to almost clear it out, which allowed for positive experiences to come in. And obviously we were wondering, you know, so if we didn't do that, if we stewed the whole way home, it would just been interesting because I think that's what happens. Then you attract just more negativity. And maybe we wouldn't have had the positive experiences that we then got to end our day with. Yeah. And it was from that experience that you created this incredible post where instead of asking, why is this happening to me? You put, what can I learn from this? Or today is not my day. What would it feel like to accept what is? And I love that your partner said, we're just not meant to be here. And she was totally cool with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She is such, she's such a, the way she navigates life in those ways is such a good balance to me because that's just such an, a great mindset and one that I've been able to internalize and embody. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that, you know, things are just, you know, that there are other forces that be. And for whatever reason, that's not where we were meant to spend that time mm-hmm. and that weekend. And now that I've been able to settle into what I think many of us in the society, we hear the concept of acceptance being Mm -hmm. thrown around, but I actually talk a lot about acceptance and just, you know, kind of accepting that, that which is and allowing that to then the emotions to pass through you. Cause you're still going to feel about the things that happen in your life. Um, but like I said, you're going to give yourself the opportunity to return to a baseline as opposed to what I do believe is it contributes to people's more longer standing negative moods is the way we just relive it in our minds. Our mental world played such a role in how we feel on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Now, you post wonderful things every single day. And I'm so curious, where do you come up with your ideas and your inspiration behind your posts? Is it from some sessions you've had with clients throughout the day? Or do you schedule these posts? It's a little bit of everything, to be honest. So I'm very protective of, so my week, I, I, I segregate it into two separate parts in a sense. So Monday through Thursdays, I see clients. Weekends, I, I reserve and I'm very adamant about those boundaries to create. So I'll do a lot of my creating on weekends, um, mm-hmm. but I get the juice for it, if you will, through my mm-hmm. time with you know, people during the week, through my own healing journey during the week. Sometimes sessions will spark a quick post that I will write up between sessions or mornings or, you know, evenings during the week. Um, And then I I found, which has really been a cool part of this whole journey, that uh, while I I imagine there'll be times where, you know, I feel a little bit more dried up in a sense, creativity has a, a bit of a snowball effect. When you're looking and you have your creative hat on at least part of the time, I have found at least it, it, it makes it 
easier to generate content. So the thing that is said in session, like, oh, I love this concept. I'm going to do a post on that comes a bit more naturally now that I've almost primed this way of working. And then, of course, I repeated that times the almost 52 weeks that I've been, you know, kind of working in this in this new way. And I've got myself a little bit of a flow habit happening. And it's been nice. Yeah, you do. Because you post a couple of times a day every day, don't you? Pretty much. I try to, I made a promise to myself when I started this journey to, to do two posts a day and I, I've been able to, to sustain yeah. it. I mean, except for the mm-hmm. random one off day where I've chosen for whatever reason not to. Um, and I've pretty much, yeah, I've been able to make that happen. So it's been, yeah, I, I do, I'm always keeping small, making small promises to myself and then putting them out there to the community of the universe so that I can mm-hmm. have a little bit more of a reason to keep them. <laughs> Yes. Now, a couple of hours ago, and it already has almost 25,000 likes, you posted truths about romantic relationships. You posted eight truths about romantic relationships. I just read through all of them before we started recording. I'm just blown away. Like monogamy does not equal a healthy relationship. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think, and again, I want to just acknowledge the big global concept of relationships. Um, The, the messages, the models, the the direct and indirect experience that we get with relationships, in my opinion, at least really does originate in our earliest relationships, which are of course those in our caregiving environments. Mm -hmm. We are given messages across the board, whether again, it's direct things that we're told about how relationships work or who we need to be in relationships or whether it's the fact that we're observing relationships happening around us, right, between one or two of our caregivers or siblings or whatever, or, and I should say, not or, and we are part of relationships. So we take those models and then as social creatures that humans are, we start to apply those modeled ways of being in relationships at such a young age. I mean, our social worlds become so paramount uh, at this point, probably even younger and younger still, but at an early age. So my point of saying all of that was we become very patterned in relationships and in the ways that we show up for relationships Mm -hmm. in the people we seek to be in relationships with. Um, And again, all of these originate at a much earlier time and place um, where we had many different tools available to us when we were just living in a different environment, um, when we weren't as fully developed and mature is the reality Mm -hmm. of it. So anyway, my point of, of, of acknowledging all of that was Sometimes, and we have ideas about relationships that are based in more of these age-old modelings that I don't believe are always the most um, effective for us as adults. So when I talk about relationship truths and things like monogamy doesn't equal a healthy relationship or another person cannot complete you, again, I'm speaking because I've heard messages that people have, have you know, kind of stated themselves of living and abiding by and believing to be true um, otherwise. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I came up with, with eight of them for that particular post. But again, the, I think the bottom line of a, of a meme like that or a message like that is mm-hmm. really to start to generate some self-exploration where people who are reading it or listening now can start to identify what things that they were taught about relationships, how those things maybe are continuing to show up in their relationships, and maybe giving them the opportunity to begin to question some of them. They mm-hmm. are just beliefs. And the simplest way I define a belief 
belief is a thought that has been practiced long enough that now has been solidified into your quote unquote truth. Does not mean, however, that those beliefs cannot be modified. Mm -hmm. So when I post something like that, it's to generate thinking. So again, this idea, you brought up the the first one about monogamy, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that's a prolific message in our society and our culture and, you know, about, you know, the meaning of monogamy. And and again, even you, you might still be someone who chooses to engage in a monogamous relationship. What I'm most concerned about is choice, not doing it because you have come to believe that monogamy means something about you, the other person, your value as a human or a million other things. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, what I hope to evolve or that we all can evolve to is having choice, having conscious choice, being able to understand how we are, why we are the way we are now, and giving ourselves the opportunity to begin to question some of the areas through choice and start to maybe show up differently in relationships in a way that might better serve who you are as your authentic self and not who you were told or made to believe or the only person that fit into that early environment, those early relationships. Absolutely. And number four on this list is another one that just made my eyes pop. It says a healthy relationship can feel boring, especially if you have a history of chaos and instability. That's huge. I've seen that in my own relationships, but also a lot of my friends. When things are good and healthy and communication is great, you get bored. Yes, 100%. And and I too have lived an experience of this and a concept that's very related to this that I also talk about often. Is what I what I have termed emotional um, addiction, and I think that mm-hmm. is drawn out of that. Meaning, when we have a history, you know, of chaos and instability, mm-hmm. usually what's been triggered on the deepest level in our nervous system actually is a fight or flight response. So maybe something that you know listeners have heard about. The short of it is our body actually gets used to those stress chemicals, the cortisol, the adrenaline. So meaning even if peace is something that we are all maybe logically desiring, those of us that came from that more chaotic environment, I speak very readily on this because I am one of those. Mm -hmm. Um, When I had a moment of peace, I actually was quite uncomfortable because our, our nerve, our body, our subconscious registers something. I'm really simplifying this, but really registers mm-hmm. things in a dichotomous way. Familiar equals good. Unfamiliar equals bad. So even mm-hmm. if logically, right, peace is what I want. Logically for me, it was unfamiliar. So the same thing applies to relationships. So when we mm-hmm. have those calmer moments, what we could be reacting to is the unfamiliar experience of not having the cortisol and the adrenaline that we're used to. And quite honestly, what I would notice, what I would do in those moments, I did one of two things. I would either feel physiologically agitated and I would say I would tick. I used to call it my tick. I tick around. I have to do something or busy myself in the house, clean up. You know, I couldn't relax or interpersonally, thanks, sorry to all my past partners, I would poke (laughs) at the environment, the partnership, so that before I knew it, I had something to be upset about. (laughs) Wow. And so many people do that. I see that in my friends' relationships all the time. Yeah. That's why I talk very readily about it because in that subconscious that I was referencing earlier is that kind of, I call it the memorized you, is your individual baseline. And it's not a baseline as we think. It does not mean peace or, or balance for all of us. If our baseline, like I said, was 
chaos or stress or anger or fear or whatever our baseline was, that becomes what feels quote unquote normal to us. So, and I do believe, I do agree with you. I think a lot of us are compelled in many ways based on that familiarity, that emotional experience that we just got used to. It does not mean it's positive. It's just mm-hmm. not what we got used to. Now, how can someone move past that and have peace and calm relationship become the norm? Absolutely. So, I mean, first and foremost, you'll always hear me say, again, in a very simplified way, two steps to change, awareness or consciousness and action or change. Those are the steps. So the first step is to be aware, to to start to practice. And the way I find um, consciousness is best developed is through a meditation practice where we learn how to observe ourselves throughout the day as we exist in our worlds and our relationships. So the first step before we even have a chance to make a new choice, we have to be in that conscious part of our brain, actually. We have to or else... And the reality of it is definitely 95% of the day, we are in that subconscious, in that autopilot. So the first step, 95% of our day, it's calorically, um, it saves our calories. So I'm always talking about the brain as an organ, because I think that does play a part in this. Our brain desires to to operate in that mode. Um, So it it does. So it it conserves calories, like I said, but 95% of the day, our choices are essentially made for us based on those habits that we've developed over time. So consciousness is the first step is developing the habit of being present to yourself and your world and your thoughts. And then of course the next step and change doesn't occur without the second step either, um, which is starting to make those new choices, starting to, because that, again, this is where I've I've always found a limit of the more insight-based therapy. Great. We can have an insight, we can connect a dot and then what? then it really is in those moments starting to make new choices. Wow. That's incredible. Now, number eight, I just want to talk about that one before we move on, is we pick partners with traits similar to a parent whose love we wanted the most and did not receive. So um, the audience here knows that I got a divorce, and it was an amicable split, but my ex-husband and I – We grew up without fathers and our relationship ended up feeling like we were just parenting each other rather than being romantic partners. And I really like number eight just hits home because I was picking a partner with traits similar to my father, whose love I always wanted, but never received. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. My, I also um, left a previous marriage um, for a similar reason. I picked a partner who was, I also talk about trauma bonds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very understandable to me. Um, very similar to, to my mother who was very emotionally withdrawn mm-hmm. um, and who we are, are the one co- topic, if you will, that we could relate to each other around was anxiety and complaining about the day. And again, this was very much with my, what my last marriage was based on. And, and in that I felt very connected or I thought I felt very connected to that person. Um, but as I started to undergo my own awakening and transformation and evolution, um, I started to realize that I had made that decision based in that familiarity, um, but not necessarily based in, in, you know, kind of what I believe to be my highest potential. 
Yeah, and through your posts, I've learned before I get into another really serious relationship, I have a lot of reparenting to do, a ton, because I grew up without a father, but I also grew up with my mom and my brother, but my brother has Asperger's, so I kind of had to step in as the father and help my mom a lot. Mm -hmm. So I really haven't been parenting. I haven't had a parent my whole life, almost. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I had, had someone on a previous podcast ask me, um, how, you know, if everyone, I forget how they worded it, but essentially my overwhelming answer was, I think we all need to do some, obviously some of us more than others in terms of reparenting ourselves. Cause the reality of it is, even if we've gotten some core needs met in our childhood, there are so many small ways where we were not seen as the individual we were, where our emotional needs weren't fully met or, 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 or knowledge. And again, I just, I can simplify it. Reason being, we are just, we are humans raising other humans. So a human who does not give themselves and meet their own needs, you know, isn't going to then by extension being, being able to give that to their child. There's no intentionality. There's, you know, often it's of no fault of the parent's own. We are just as limited as how we care for ourselves. And the reality of it is there's a lot of us now adult humans walking around that had models of parents, of caregivers who did not care for themselves because again, tracing the line back, they too were not um, modeled these behaviors. So mm. I think we all need to acknowledge that we all need to be reparenting and that ultimately, and, and I love your intention to, to be engaging in this work, because again, I think this is also a different concept of a relationship than some of us might've been taught. Um, but I don't believe that, I don't think looking outside of ourselves for any need is, is a, is the most empowered place that we can sit as a human. Yeah. Meaning, yes, there are, there's incredible value as a social creatures that we are in, in relationships and in us engaging in relationships, so many values, but I view that as being an addition. Once we become a very self-reliant, self-resilient, empowered human where I can take care of myself, then everything I receive from the world is additional. It's extra. It's a choice. Um, it's not a, a need. So again, I conceptualize the most longstanding, you know, quote unquote, healthiest, if you will, relationship happens when you are able to meet your own needs, even when you are in partnership with someone else, where you're not looking for you to help me or complete me or fix me or whatever it is. Wow. And I think you just kind of answered it. But my next question was going to be, what are some ways we can reparent ourselves? Like, where do we begin with that? Yeah. I mean, so I did, I, I made a post in a video within the past, I think two to three weeks um, that touches on some of these and I will continue to touch on these, but you can think of it really simply like this. How can I best take care of my physical body? Right. Mm -hmm. What are my habits around sleeping, eating? You know, this might sound really simplistic, but again, a lot of these habits are ones that were modeled to us that were showed to us and doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones that work the best for us. So what can I do to just take care of the physical house that I'm in, my body? How can I make sure that I'm in as balanced of a body? And obviously with your background, you know, you understand the importance of that, that I can be in. Um, and then there's the emotional world, right? Am I aware of my emotions? Do I know how to, what they are when they happen? Do I know how to navigate them when they happen? The answer isn't always yes to those questions. And that's okay mm -hmm. if it's not. I didn't know 
anything about emotions, as crazy as that sounds, being a psychologist of my own. I knew about emotions from a distance vantage point, and I was very good at understanding them. But when it came to my own emotions, based on, again, having an emotionally withdrawn parent, not having the supportive environment that allowed me to explore my feelings, to give them name, based on the way I chose to cope with them, which was to detach and dissociate, I became an adult who had no goddamn idea about emotions in myself. And I was in the field of emotions. So it's okay if you out there listening or like, well, what do you mean? Of course I know that. And maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. And that's okay. So sometimes reparenting involves getting in touch with our emotional selves, our energies and figuring out, we don't come with a manual, what makes us feel better in the moments where we feel bad. Wow. That's so good. And yep, you do have a lot of posts and videos too about reparenting. So Nicole, I know you have a client session here in a few minutes, but I'm going to let you go. I just want to say thank you again for coming to Lightworkers Lounge. Such a treat for our audience. We're so appreciative of you. Thank you so, so much for having me and allowing me time to connect. And um, I'd love to see any and all of you, you know, over in the community in all seriousness. When I when I reference the community, I speak so proudly about it um, because the, the amount of support and that I also gain, mm-hmm. I am healing right alongside of everyone yeah. um, out there as well. So honestly, seeing everyone that shows up and supports me and each other and the 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 areas where we can, I can relate with people that I never thought would share similar experiences to myself. So I so appreciate any opportunity to connect with people out there and um, to continue to do so. And I want to thank you, Steph, for having me on. This has been awesome. And and like I said, I, I truly appreciate all of the support that you've given me now over this journey. Oh, you're so welcome. And I will always continue to because you are just so innovative and helping people. It's beautiful to watch. So if you guys would like to connect with Nicole, visit her website at www.yourholisticpsychologist.com or check out her incredible Instagram community at the period holistic period psychologist. Nicole, any last words? That is all. Thank you so much. That would be awesome if you guys came and joined me. I'm going to be releasing some cool stuff coming this fall in the form of some virtual healing groups and my first self-directed program on, you guessed it, the subconscious. So Mm -hmm. as soon as I have more solidified news of release dates and things like that, I'll be talking all about it. So if anyone listening would be interested in either one of those opportunities, for sure head over because that's how I'll be giving you all the info. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Nicole. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, what a good show with the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole LaPera. I want to end this awesome episode with one of my current favorite songs. It's called Spark by a group called Forrester. And you can find this, as always, on our Lightworkers Lounge Spotify playlist of the month. So go check it out. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Do it.